98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort Masters, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. All right, thank you, Eric. Away we go with our top stories of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We're going to start and end with the Phoenix Suns. We're going to start with their next game tomorrow night against the Memphis Grizzlies. Cam Johnson listed as probable for tomorrow's game against Memphis, as is JaVale McGee. whole bunch of guys who are listed as out or doubtful for the Grizzlies. Sean Morant, we know, won't play. Steven Adams, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., all doubtful for tomorrow's game. But the good news for the Suns, Cam and JaVale should be what? back tomorrow. Why couldn't Memphis have sat all those guys last night against San Antonio? I know, right? We'll get to that in a minute, right? Jeez. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, the good news is to get Cam Johnson back. And we knew he was a few games behind Chris Paul, and now he's going to get back up some time to get in the rhythm again and be ready for the playoffs. Speaking of the Grizzlies, and since you went with that story, we'll bring it up right now. As of today, the Lakers are back in the play-in tournament after the Spurs lost to the Grizzlies last night. LeBron and AD eyeing a potential Friday return, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, when you're looking at the Lakers' perspective, when looking big at Memphis. Game. Big game tomorrow for what, the Lakers. What is it now, 19-2 and two for Memphis without John, without John Morant? 19-2. and two. Yeah, listen, they haven't, they're world beat the teams they've played, a lot of them haven't been great, and a lot of them have been missing key players. But still, 19-2 and without John Morant is pretty fascinating. The Lakers are in Utah tonight for what it's worth. No AD, no LeBron James tonight. So they'll the lose tonight, and then yep. tomorrow against New Orleans on a back-to-back. Now, New Orleans does not play tonight, so L.A. will play tonight in Utah, then go home play New Orleans tomorrow. That game tomorrow will be a huge game for them. Clayton Keller will miss the rest of the season, suffering a devastating and awful leg injury last night during the Yotes win over the Sharks. It was awful. According to Keller himself, he'll be back and better than ever in no time for next season. The expected out time is, what, four to six six months months. we're looking at for Clayton Keller? Yeah. Horrific leg injury that he suffered last night when he crashed into the boards. Yeah, terrible. He just he lost an edge and he went into the boards feet first and uh, you know broke his leg. It was a clean break. He had surgery last night. He's having a he was having a great season. Career high in goals. He was only a few points away from having a career high in points. Really stepped up and was having a great year this year. He was the Diamondbacks making a couple of roster moves today, reassigning their top prospect Alec Thomas down to the minor league camp. They also uh, optioned infielder Drew Ellis to Triple A Reno, which is with opening day one week from today. Yeah, he's not your third baseman. Bolstering the case that Josh Rojas might be their third baseman unless they go out and get somebody. Gamble. Yeah, but, yes. I'm, I'm, but Ahmed's going to miss the beginning, so I mean, you thought Rojas could play short. It's going to be interesting to see how they fill out this roster and whether they still, whether they go out there and try to get a third baseman. Luke Weaver, by the way, in today's outing, three innings, two hits, walked two, struck out three. A good outing, but he also left the game with what might be a blister or a cut on his finger. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. Former Seahawk and Pro Bowler Bobby Wagner is headed to the Rams yeah, on a five-year deal. Of course, yeah, he of course is. he is. Where else would he go? And go to the Rams because that's where they, they just get everybody. Last year, Odell Beckham Jr. and then they went out and got Von Miller, and it's just this, that's what the Rams do. So they got Bobby Wagner, five year deal. He's thirty one years old. L A. is home for him. He had some offers from some other teams, but in the end, he decided to go play for the Rams. And Bruce Arians today, his official farewell press, press conference with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, you no, know it's time. It's time, and no better time than right now. Three years ago, sitting at this podium, we talked about creating a culture, a winning atmosphere, that we're going to do it our way, 
We're going to be fast. We're going to be physical. We're going to be smart. And uh, it paid off. The Bucks wasted no time announcing that Bruce Arians is going to go into their ring of honor next year at some yeah. point. How about that? That was quick. And Tom Brady, by the way, sitting in the front row of today's press conference. Yeah, I think just to make, you know, make sure you're there and support him. And you, you want a Super Bowl ring with him as the head coach. And he had a big part of you going there. Tom Brady wanted to play for Bruce Arians. He was so tired of playing for Belichick. He wanted a fun-loving guy yeah. like Bruce Arians, and he got it. Top story of the day, though, happened last night for the Phoenix Suns. A little bit of history was matched last night in the Bay Area. Clay Thompson throws up the heave. It's no good. And the Suns win. 107-103. The final here at Chase Center. They tie the franchise record with win number 62 on the season, equaling the total of the 1993 squad and the 2005 squad with still six games left to play in the regular season. They improved to 62-14. and 14. That was an ugly, ugly, ugly it, win it, by it the they terribly it, it, played basketball sure, team by yeah. both teams, and the Suns came out with the win. Golden State is a very, very good defensive team, and last night they, they found a little bit of their mojo. That's the best game the Warriors have played in a while. It's been weeks since they played a game and played that well. So for them, you know, they got back to being that great defensive team that they were for the for, for first half of the season. I mean, they were they were the number one defensive team in the NBA for a reason. They're good. They're very good defensively. The sound, they've got depth. They got a great philosophy. They got all the defensive minded players. We haven't seen them play that like that in a while. They kind of returned last night to being that good team. And and so there's a lot of talk about like moral victories in Golden State. Look, we proved we could play. Without Steph Curry, we proved we could play with Phoenix. We can give them a hard time. We could shut down their top two players, which, you know, they did a good job on Chris Paul. They did a good job on Devin Booker. So if I'm Golden State, you know, and I had a lot to play for because I'm Golden State. I'm playing for player positioning. If I'm Golden State, I come away feeling pretty happy about that performance. If I'm Phoenix, there are definitely some question marks. Not a lot, not a lot, but you come away with some question marks if you're Phoenix. No, I look. I, I don't want to make it. I don't want to paint this picture. We're going to talk about Golden State in the next segment. I don't want to paint this picture like the Warriors won last night and the Suns lost. That's not what happened. The Suns won that basketball game, but the Warriors did do some very impressive things last night, albeit without Steph Curry. And that's something we're going to talk about coming up in the next segment. What the Suns did do is on a night where Devin Booker had one of his worst nights of the season. He was off almost all game long. DeAndre Ayton for a 16-16 and line in the box score. I thought he really struggled last night just catching the ball. It seemed like every time they were throwing the ball down him in the low post, it was bouncing away from him because he I couldn't thought he get got his hands on it. 75 times. And, and there were some fouls that should have been called. He was I, looking at the refs like, are you kidding me? I would me? agree with you. I, just, I don't like complaining about officiating because but... it's like you got to overcome all that, right? Don't you think? Yeah, no, this, I, I reserve the right to, to complain about the refs three times a year. I think I just reserve those that right. <laughs> three times a year. There should be a limit on how many times you can complain about the refs. And you should write it down. And once you once you reach your maximum, you can't go. You don't have any more. I don't have any more. You should share that rule with Vince Morata. I have, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Vinny. <laughs> or any of the broadcasters. Vinny's, Vinny's got like any a three-time per show rule. <laughs> it's not a three-time per year rule with Vinny. I think it should be three times a year. You can, <laughs> now, I don't know if that would be what I would one I would. But man, I'm telling you, man, they were they were they were slapping at him and slapping yeah. at him, and every time he caught the ball, trying to knock him, and, he, and they hit his arm a hundred times. But through all of that, it's a clutch time game on the road for the Suns, and I'll tell you right now, Chris Paul. 
He had 15 points in that game yesterday. He had eight in the fourth quarter. You dig a little deeper. He had eight in the last three and a half minutes of that game. Man, thank you, Chris Paul. Thank you, Chris Paul, for saving the Suns' bacon last night. Because without him, they, they, they don't win that game. Yeah. He, he carried them in the final four minutes of that game. Absolutely carried them. And, and now you got a Suns team once again winning a game in the clutch. I saw some crazy stat on ESPN Stats and Info. They're like 17-1 and one in clutch games on the road this year. That might be the best mark in the NBA in 25 years. They have a better record in clutch situation than they do like regular, you know. The better winning percentage. Winning per- their winning percentage is 842 in the clutch, 816, you know, overall. So And they're now 46-0 when leading after three. And that, that thought crossed my mind last night when they, the third quarter ended, they were up by two. Like, man, I'd love, like, in a selfish way, that's the streak I want. I want. I want that one. I want them to go undefeated when they've got a lead after three. Oh. I want that one. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. I just want it. It's so impressive. You want Sun- to get to the end of the year and that undefeated. 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 That. 46-0 when leading after three. Like, that is incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. And it's not like every game they've been up by 20. They were up by two points last night on the road. On the road, up by two. That, like, that streak could have came to. I like that streak. Mm-hmm. Like if you said what stri- I kind of I kind of like, like that, that one. streak, yeah. yeah. That one sticks out like a sore thumb to me. All right, so when we come back, Gambo said if he's Golden State, he'd be pretty happy about how they performed last night in a loss. Is that happiness going to motivate them down the stretch, especially if these two teams meet up again in the postseason? That's coming up. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo, ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona's sports station. Listen live on the Arizona Sports Listen app. Listen live on the Arizona Sports app. Home court advantage. It's a privilege granted to the number one seed in the NBA playoffs. The Phoenix Suns are that number one overall seed this season. They have proven for months on end that they are the best organized depth defense offensive coach teams in the Western Conference. The Phoenix Suns are still the team to beat in the Western Conference. They have been the best team in the NBA for 98% of this season. Suns run to the playoffs. Presented by Canvas Annuity. I want you to listen to the words of Brian Scalabrini today on 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. Warriors are pulling a little rope-a-dope here. I really believe Uh-oh. that they're going to be, I think they're going to be fine in the play, like more than fine. People who watch the Warriors live believe that the Warriors are still, their ceiling is the best in the West. They're, what they are capable of doing is the best of the West. And even the great Phoenix Suns, if they play great and Warriors play great, a lot of people that I've talked to watch them live. Like, I know that's not the general consensus out there. Believe that the Warriors will end up still winning a championship. Uh, I'm not sorry. I don't know. I'm sure they would beat the Bucks, but they would still come out of the West. So, Brian Scalabrini, as I mentioned on 95.7 The Game, Gambo and I, uh, if you, you look, we welcome you into the Burns and Gambo show. We exchange emails with each other every morning, usually around 10 o'clock. Hey, this is what I saw. This is what I saw. And, and we kind of go from there, right? Right. We both emailed to each other the story in The Athletic that basically painted this picture of, hey, the Warriors might have lost that game last night, but make no mistake, that is the template, that is the model, that is the jolt, that is proof to some that there is a switch that they can flip 
And they flipped it last night against the Suns. And even without Steph Curry, they were within a whisper of beating the Phoenix Suns last night in that game. Yeah, I think, you know, if you, you hear the comments from Draymond Green afterwards, I think they felt pretty happy about their performance. Now, they had that game one with 39 seconds left, and Clay decides to foul Booker for some unbeknownst reason. And even at the end, Jordan Poole, you know, heaves a shot from half court when he didn't need to, probably thought he was going to get fouled. That's the only thing you could logically explain on that. But I think that they, you know, the Suns have a, a, a fully healthy roster outside of Cam Johnson and JaVel McGee, and the Warriors are without uh, Steph Curry, and they go out there and they, they get down 12-2, to two and we're, what are we all thinking when it's 12-2? to two? Oh, this is going to be a cakewalk. They're going to bury this team. They're going to let him know. Like we At 12-2, to two, Steve Kerr, timeout, timeout. You know, and Mikhail Bridges has like eight points right there, and you're thinking, they're going to kill him. They're going to kill the Warriors. And then the Warriors came back. Pool got hot. Pool just got hot. He was hitting everything. Everything. And despite a bad game from Clay Thompson, they had a chance to win that game at the end. So if I'm the Warriors, I mean, if I spin this around, if I'm the Warriors, I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now. I just gave them a run for their money. Yep. You ain't so bad, Phoenix. You ain't so bad. I can beat you. I, we didn't. You know, we didn't play great. Clay didn't have a good game. We didn't have Steph. We almost beat you. So we could shut down your best players with our defense. We've got an elite defense in this league. So if I'm Golden State, I feel pretty good about the way I played yesterday. Yeah, the line that caught my attention from the story quote: Six days after losing to the worst team in basketball, the same Warriors pushed the best team to the brink. They did it with competitive fervor. They did it with defense. They did it with Steph Curry on the sideline wearing a protective boot over his sprained left foot. Wednesday's loss give credence to the Warriors primary reason for optimism that they can flip the switch when the playoffs start they'll be set up to have four guys with three rings who have shown up too many times mm-hmm. to overlook if curry green thompson and andre iguodala are healthy they'll make sure the warriors are a tough out close quote to the point where you asked the question earlier in the show and i'll be honest with everybody listening right now if you had asked me this question yesterday you might have actually asked me this question yesterday okay. i would have answered it differently oh sure if yeah. you had asked the question yesterday who's who do you fear more golden state or memphis yesterday I would have said Memphis. Today, it's Golden State. They played their butts off last night. They played like they were trying to send a message to the Phoenix Suns to what you just said. Oh, you think you're so bad? You think you guys are so bad? Yeah. Watch watch how we're going to muck up everything you do. Watch how we're going to gum up everything you're trying to accomplish on the offense. And they did. If I would have asked you 48 hours ago, who's more of a threat to the Suns, Memphis or Golden State? I would have said Memphis. Okay. Now today, Golden State. Golden State. I mean, it's a perception, right? It's a perception. Warriors played that well. There's Warriors are capable of playing like that. You're like, ooh, okay. Now, Memphis is a good team, but they don't play very well in a half court. They're, they're a team that likes to get out and run. They thrive on possessions, not in a half court. That's going to muck them up a little bit when they get to the playoffs. You know, they they really excel off of turnovers and offensive rebounds, but they're not a good half court team. And in the playoffs, it really does get down to a half court game. Got to be able to execute. That's not Memphis's strength. So I do think that, that Golden State right now, I think Golden State is probably more of a threat than Memphis. And it, and it even goes beyond Memphis and their weaknesses perceived real or otherwise, right? There's and I hate to make it about the experience factor because that shouldn't matter. But God, Golden State has so much of it, right? They, they've got, they've got a all everything coach. They've got an all everything Draymond Green. I think the biggest question for them is Steph. When they get him back, how long does it take for him to acclimate? And I, look, I'll I'll be honest with you right now. Watching Golden State flame out in the first round of the playoffs would be maybe my favorite thing to have develop. 
in the first round of the Who playoffs. Who could they play in the first round? Well, it's, I'm glad you asked. Let's go over that. Well, let's let's we, go over that, because here's what happened. Happen. Yeah, we haven't looked at that okay. in at least 24 hours. So, <laughs> so as of right now, as of right now with the loss last night, Golden State is now the four seed, okay? If the season ended right now, they would open up a best of seven against the Denver Nuggets. Golden State would have home court advantage. They'd be the four. Denver would be the five. Mitch, can they beat them? You're a Nuggets fan. They have the best big man in the league, while the Warriors have no big men whatsoever. But, I think but that's, that's a big difference. But that's always been an advantage for Golden State that they don't have. They've never had a big man. They can kind of play because small and be play small, small. And who's Jokic going to guard? I, I do have, have Jokic go out and guard the three point line. I do have a question for you. What's the, what, what, what are we talking about with Jamal Murray? You're a Nuggets fan. You're a Denver guy. What are we? What's the what's the status of Jamal? They're keeping it rather quiet from what I've last been hearing, and they're. I think part of it is they don't want people to get their hopes up, specifically like fans, assuming that he's going to be back at a certain point. The real big bummer is that MPJ had another setback, so he's likely not even going to be back this season at all. Of course he did. Okay, so okay, so that's you got. Yeah, but he's the worst defensive player in the history of the NBA. Yeah, and the Jokic thing. I mean, Jokic is a little bit different in that he's just. But but you're right. Having him come out is going to be a little bit of a weakness. Now, here's what can change with that. Okay, Golden State right now is at four. They're basically tied with Dallas for the third spot. Dallas has the tiebreaker, so Dallas is at three right now. Golden State's at four. I'd much rather have them three so they could play Memphis and they could beat each other up. Precisely. If you go go one, two, three, four with no upsets, I'd rather Phoenix play Dallas. Dallas can't beat Phoenix. And, like, I don't even know if they can win a game against them. Um, and I still think the Suns are better than everybody else, and they're going to win. So, but I would rather gold. I would rather not have to go through Golden State and then Memphis. Yes, because yeah. it, but I, I didn't. But tell you what, a week ago I didn't care about this because I thought the Suns. But now I'm like, Ugh. I'd rather I'd and, rather have to go through one of Golden State or Memphis instead of two. Of and them. you know the reason why? Because of last night. Because last night was a little eye opening. Last night was a little wow. They're good, and they a reality and, check. And to be fair. Golden State really hadn't played all that well up until that moment, right? I mean, the last three weeks, they've been playing like garbage. They got up for that game. They wanted that game. There was that timeout where they called, what was like halfway through the third quarter, where they were up by seven or eight points, and their bench was losing their mind, and Draymond Green was losing his mind. They wanted that game badly yeah. last night. And I that, to me, was a little sneak peek into playoff Golden State. And I'm with you. I want to get Golden State on Memphis on the same side of the bracket. Get them over there and put the Suns over on the other side where they don't have to deal with either one of those teams until the Western Conference Finals. That is what I want. And if I can't get that, then I want I want Golden State to get bounced in the first round. I want that more than anything at this point. See Jay in that third quarter kind of like walk into Draymond shoulder to shoulder oh, and then Draymond yeah. kind of pushed him. And oh, then yeah. EJ was like, Jay didn't do anything. He just walked right by him. They're going to have to toss Draymond. I'm like, EJ, EJ, we got to watch the replay. We got to watch the replay. Jay knows what he's doing. And then he said, replay EJ's, don't lie, man. Replay don't lie. Nope. EJ's screaming for Draymond to be kicked out of the game. And so Jay was just walking by him and he shoved him. No, Jay, Jay, Jay gave him the little shoulder to shoulder. So if you're rooting for anything, you're rooting for Golden State to get back up to three. And if you can't get that, then you're rooting for Golden And if you want Golden State to get bounced in the first round, the one thing that might benefit that, the one thing that might help that, is they get if they get Curry back right when the playoffs start, there's going to be an adjustment period. In getting him back, the rotations, play, all that stuff, maybe... It's better to get Golden State early rather than late, and maybe that benefits the Nuggets if they play in the first round. Maybe. All I know, 
is you had asked the question yesterday, is there a team out there that can beat the Suns more than once in a series? After last night, I will say to you, yes, there is a team that can beat the Suns more than once in a series, and it's the Golden State Warriors. I don't fear them, but God, do I respect them. The more they play them, the 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 it's an advantage Phoenix, right? It's like a... The, the, the sons of the batter and the warriors of the pitcher. The more pitches you see, the better the batter has a I'll chance. Give you that. I'll give you that. The sons will have more. As the series goes on, the sons will figure out, you know, the tenacity of which they have, how, how Green, uh, Golden State plays defense, and they'll, and, they'll, and they'll beat them. It would appear that the Cardinals' plan to replace Chandler Jones is not in free agency, and perhaps it could be in the draft. But if you're going to do that, go big or go home. And Gambo says there's a chance that the Arizona Cardinals might go big. We'll explain next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Let's update our Twitter poll question of the day. It's 4.30 here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We're live from the Oxygen Community Studio. And here's Eric Ruby. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. The Warriors opened some eyes last night, even though it was a loss by them to the Phoenix Suns. That's kind of what we're talking with the poll question today. Yeah, let's go real quick. We got some important Cardinal stuff to get to following the Suns' ugly win against the Warriors. How do you think a potential playoff matchup between the two would go? Three options for you. Warriors win convincingly. Suns will dominate and it'll go six to seven either way. I think it's going to go six or seven, but I think the Suns are going to win in six or seven. So which one should I vote for? Suns are going to dominate or it's going to go six or seven either way. I'm torn, Gamble. Is six dominating? Um, If the team wins two? I'd say dominating is five or less. Five games or less, you dominate. All right, I'm I'm six or seven. Put me down for six or seven. I think Suns Warriors, that series is going six or seven. I think the Suns are winning, but I think it's going six or seven. They're going to kill them. Dominate. <laughs> Suns are going to dominate. <laughs> the in-sync on that one. Uh, all right. 57.2% say it'll go six or seven games. 40.3% say the Suns will dominate. 2.5% say Warriors win convincingly. All right. That's the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. At Burns and Gambo, one word is where you can find that. Yes. Four weeks from right now, the Arizona Cardinals will be preparing to make their pick at some point in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. It's in four weeks from right now. The question is, will they be picking at number 23 or will they be picking somewhere else within the first round? Yeah. What do you got on this? I, I do really believe that the the Arizona Cardinals could look to move up in this draft. And the reason why is that there are five edge rushers that are going to be gone by the time that they pick. Hutchinson could be the number one pick in the draft. The edge rusher out of missing Michigan. The Oregon kid, Kayvon Thibodeau, he could be gone number two. Uh, and then you start to look at the other edge rushers, and I think I see a projection where um, Trayvon Walker is gone to, to the Giants at number seven. And then the Purdue kid, George Karloftis. Karloftis, he could be a guy that's right around 14. And then Jermaine Johnson is projected to go 15 at Philadelphia Eagles. Now I'm looking at a pro football focus mock draft. Five edge rushers gone by pick number 15. There's a big, big, big drop off. After the top five edge rushers, there's a big drop-off after the top five. I would not be surprised if Arizona makes calls, tries to find a team, maybe it's Philly, that would be willing to trade, and Arizona gets in a position to get 
one of those top edge rushers. They lost Chandler Jones. First week of free agency, second week, third week. We're in the fourth fourth week next week. Have not addressed the edge rusher position. There's not a lot of guys out there that you love, but there are some dominant players in this draft at edge. I could see the Arizona Cardinals looking to trade up to get one of these top five edge rushers, and I, I think they'd focus on a couple of them, but I think they'd be looking to move up. It would certainly satisfy the condition of making it a bold offseason if they were to move up yep. in the draft, and so far there's been nothing bold about the Cardinals offseason at all, other than if you want to count the controversy with Kyler Murray and the back-and-forth debate about whether a long-term deal is going to get done with their presumed franchise quarterback. There's been nothing bold at all about this offseason, and yet the Cardinals have done something bold four straight years now. Last year it was J.J. Watt. The year before it was Hop. The year before that it was Kyler. The year before that it was trading up to get Josh Rosen. They've kind of made a habit out of doing something bold and identifying an edge rusher and aggressively moving up, maybe even sacrificing next year's first in order to do it, it depending yeah. on how far up they have to go, would certainly qualify as bold. And I tell you, as long as it's, it's easy to say this, as long as it's the right guy, I would fully endorse such a move like that because you you do have a long-term need to find a young franchise cornerstone edge rusher because the Cardinals do not okay, have let me, that. Let me, just, let me just see what... Um, I'm looking at the draft pick value chart. Oh, so to boy, get to 15... Oh. oh, no. Gambo's got a chart in front of him. Look out. Not, but you know that there's a chart that they use. This is a, <laughs> I, I know there is. I know so there is. write this down. Do your hand. The, the 15th pick is worth 1,050 points. 1,050 points. 1050. Yeah, the, the 23rd pick. pick is worth 760. Okay. Now, I don't know, you know, what, what, but next year's first, you don't know what it is. So you've got to make up about 800 points there. Second round pick doesn't do it. The top second round pick is valued at 580. So the 23rd pick and then the Cardinals' second round pick would not give you anywhere near what you need to get to move up there. So the Cardinals' second round pick is worth 350 points. So you can't, so that's only a, that's about a thousand altogether. Actually, come that's that's close then. That's a, that's actually really close. That's close. Thousand fifty is the fifteenth pick. It's almost dead the even. Twenty third is seven sixty, and then the second rounder is three fifty. So so you take your your first and your second, and you move up to number fifteen using your handy dandy trade value chart over it's, there. It's equal. The, it's almost. It's, you throw them a six to make it to push it over the top. It's one thousand and fifty versus one thousand one hundred and ten. I mean, it's almost identical. If you just you now, know, trade your if first you and your to, second, if you have to get up higher. Now, what I'm focusing on is a couple of players. And I know you got draft pre- do, uh, pre- yeah. profiles if you want to play one. Let's start with the Florida State kid, the edge rusher out of FSU, Jermaine Johnson. Do you remember who voiced it? Sarah. Good call. Jermaine Johnson the second, Edge, Florida State. Johnson is a player on the rise. He was a full-time starter for just one season in Tallahassee after transferring in from Georgia, but he showed great strength, speed, and versatility during that span. The reigning ACC Defensive Player of the Year called himself the best edge defender in the draft, and some experts agree, looking at his agility, tackling ability, and his relentless pursuit of the quarterback. Scouts have pinpointed last 
lapses in awareness from time to time. But with more time and more reps, he can prove that last season was not a fluke. NFL comp Raiders D end Max Crosby. You don't know what I'm talking about. Gambo and I play a little game where we try to remember which on-air personality at the station voiced the draft profile. Yeah, we're old. We try to, we try to work it on memory. It, it's either going to be Sarah... Eric Ruby, Mitch, or Aaron Maloney, right? Has anybody yes. else voiced him? Yeah. We didn't ask Jared Carlin to voice any of them. Thank God. No, he was good on the updates today. Good. Don't give him too much flack. <laughs> Man, I just, I'm going after the morning show so, for some reason. So that's why. one. I okay, think that there's, one. I think that there's two. I think the other guy that they would look to move up with, and you might have to get higher than 15 to get him, is the edge rusher out of Georgia, Trayvon Walker. And? Eric Ruby. Trayvon Walker, Edge, Georgia. With an impressive physique and as an aggressive player, the 6'5", 270 defensive end uses his ruthlessness to excel in his role as a rugged run stopper. He does lack lateral movement and diversity on the defensive end, but his power and understanding of leverage makes him a weapon nonetheless. He's at his strongest against the run, but in the right scheme, a defense could pull more out of him. In college or in the pros, Walker is liable to run through whoever he's lined up across. His NFL can Harrison, Chris Wormley. You'd have to go up a little higher to get I think him, You'd have though, to go up you? a little bit higher, so you start to look at the trade value there. Uh, right now, that would be Chicago, right? Chicago needs to stockpile picks. So the Chicago, Chicago has, what's that, the seventh pick? Or is that the Giants with seven? Yeah, I think it's the Giants. The New York via Chicago. All right, so... If you get upset, just give me a number. Who would choose you? Give me all right. So seven is fifteen hundred points. Let's just say, say you want to get to seven. Okay, seven is worth fifteen hundred points. The Cardinals' twenty third pick is worth seven sixty, and then their second round pick is worth three fifty. So you'd be given a fifteen hundred for eleven hundred. Wouldn't work. It wouldn't be anywhere clear. You could not move up that high with just your first and second, which is why it might be a first and a first to get inside the top ten. Yeah. a team is probably going to say, "I want your first this year, and I want your first next it's year." It's the Giants who are sitting at number seven right now. They're also sitting at number five. So the Giants already have two top ten picks. Maybe yes. they would look to move down to to take one of those picks and make it multiple picks, right? And another first next year. So they keep their fifth. They trade their seventh. They move down to twenty three, and they get another. To another first next year, potentially. That's potential. That's that's definitely uh, something you will look, look at. So I do think that that's something to consider. The possibility they have not added an edge rusher in free agency. The possibility that maybe move up in the draft to get one. I like it. I like the thought of it. It's 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 bold. It's big because you need a generational pass rusher that you can who can call here home for a long, long time. When we come back, just when we thought we were about to be done facing him, instead, Bobby Wagner goes and plays for the richest team in the division. Thanks a lot, Bobby. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, afternoons. Tom Palacero on the NFL Network. Because, of course, Bobby Wagner signed with the Rams. Five-year, $50 million deal. It's worth up to $65 million with incentives for Bobby Wagner with the Rams. As you mentioned, he was born in Los Angeles. He started a colony high school in nearby Ontario, California. The opportunity to come home had to weigh into this, not to mention he now gets the opportunity to face his old team, the Seahawks, twice this season by staying in the NFC West. A unique negotiation here because Wagner long has served 
as his own agent. We'll see the exact details on the contract, but certainly this is Payne Wagner like he is a six-time first-team all-pro selection who's still got a lot of football left as he heads to L.A. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't think Bobby Wagner was going to get that kind of coin uh, this offseason. And he's his own agent, too. Know. He doesn't so, have an agent. He doesn't yeah. pay that 5% or whatever it is to the guy who's, or the gal who's negotiating that contract for him. He gets to pocket all that money himself. I, yeah. look, we'll just have to see the details of the of the deal and how much is guaranteed. I didn't think he was going to get money like that this offseason. No, the only thing we know, five years, $50 million with incentives that could push it to 65 We don't know the guarantees on the deal. Cowboys and Rams were reported to have had uh, uh, a lot of reluctance to pay him $11 million or so, but he bet on himself. A 31-year-old linebacker usually doesn't get you know that type of deal, but he negotiated that deal for himself, and uh, you know now he goes to the Rams. Look, the Rams just look, they're all in, man. They they they're going to do what they they want and they want to keep winning. They added Von Miller last year. They lost Von Miller this year, yep. you know, but they took care of Matthew Stafford. They're going to take care of Aaron Donald. They went out and addressed their wide receiver. Got Allen Robinson. By getting Allen yep. Robinson, who is a you know, terrific receiver. I really like him. And now you make this move right here for Bobby Wagner. Inside linebacker has been a little bit of an issue for the Rams. It hasn't been a good spot for them. And you're getting one of the most dominant players at that position over the last decade. But again, uh, 31 years old, five-year deal. He's definitely not going to play out those five years but still good like still good right not great but still a good player yeah, still good enough that you have to respect him good enough that it, like you pointed out uh, the, the rams paying money for an inside linebacker is really not what they do it's not no. really what they're about right and so this year it kind of breaks the mold a little bit it's not even so much that i'm mad that bobby wagner's in the rams because of bobby wagner it, it I, I think i speak for a lot of cardinal fans here when it's like okay the Rams were the team that didn't have a lot of flexibility to make a whole lot of moves, right? The Rams were the team that, man, they won the Super Bowl, and and how could they follow that up? And the Rams have been out there taking big swing after big swing. Here comes Allen Robinson, and here comes Bobby Wagner, and we're going to pay our quarterback this money. And the Cardinals, who are trying to get what the Rams have, who are trying to get where the Rams are, have been so quiet this offseason. It's, it's been, that's the frustrating part is that the Rams were supposed to be the team that kind of had a quiet offseason because they were coming off a Super Bowl and there wasn't much they could do. And instead, they're being bold. They're being aggressive. They're going for it. And if you're a Cardinals fan, that's got to get under your skin a little bit that they're doing it and you're not. Yeah, I think it's probably worse to be a Seattle fan, right? You've got the revenge tour coming to town. Russell Wilson and the Broncos (laughs) coming to Seattle. Bobby Wagner and the Rams coming to Seattle. I mean, there's going to be popular tickets in Seattle next year for those returns when Denver comes to town and when the Rams come to town. Yeah, the Cardinals have been relatively quiet. Look, look, the history shows that when you bet on free agents from other teams, there's a really high fail rate. I mean, it's 60 percent. It's, it's true. It's a and, and is a much higher rate of success when you bet on your own free agents. Now, this is a 31 year old guy that's been really good. He's got a you know 31 and, and, and 10 years in the league. He still plays at a high level, but clearly is not the same player he was when he was one of the key players on the Legion of no, uh, Boom. And, and I'll give you, you, you look. You're being the rational one. I'm being the emotional one here. All right, you, you're you're being the one who's looking at this. You're you're right about free agency. Usually more often than not, you're wasting your money. Usually, more often than not, you're signing a guy to a big money contract like that. You're just cutting him two years from now, right? That's typically how free agency works in the NFL. It's just when it comes to this, man, I'm just having a hard time looking at the rational. And, and I, I kind of feel like being a little irrational. I feel like being a little emotional about this and just wondering, you know, man, the, the L.A. Rams are not sitting around on their backside 
counting their dollars from winning a Super Bowl trophy. They're going out there trying to do it again. And they're going out there and doing big things to try to do it again. And the Arizona Cardinals are trying to get there. And I, I just don't feel like they've matched that kind of aggressiveness from the division rival that they've got to go beat. From a division rival that, let's be honest, owns the Arizona Cardinals and has the paperwork to prove it. So it, it, it's been that's been frustrating. I don't want the Cardinals to go do anything. And I certainly don't want the Cardinals to go get Bobby Wagner. It's not about Bobby Wagner. It's about that mindset. It's about that mentality. It's about that aggression that the Cardinals just haven't shown so far this offseason. Yeah, they've kept their guys. Okay, that's good. But going out there and really trying to reshape the roster, they haven't done. Uh, no offense, Nick Vigil. No offense, Jeff Gladney. It's just not the same. It's it's not even close to the same, and it makes you a little envious when you look at what the Rams have done. It makes you a lot envious when you look at what the Rams have done. At least it does for me. I understand, but the quarterback you got was a first round pick a couple of years ago, and that's a lot better than going to get a retread quarterback. Vigil's a, a, you know, he's a decent role player. He's a good tackler. He's a, like these might be good football players, but Wagner's the big name, right? Wagner's won the Super Bowl. Wagner's been an all a, a Pro Bowl player all those years, an All Pro, and but ten years in the league, there's some wear and tear. Still had a lot of tackles last year. Had 170 sure. tackles. Smart player, good player. I'm sure he's got a couple of years left. I'm sure for the first year or two that deal's going to look really good for the Rams and then eventually they'll kick some money to, to the curb down the road. Bruce Arians, uh, he was sticking with the NFL. He, uh, he officially retired today. He held his press conference. Quote, Win or lose, we booze. Close quote. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, Bruce Arian said today, Tom Brady coming back made this really easy. Yeah, I mean, it kind of in the statement. Um, thought about it after the season, but again, it, it wasn't right. Um, obviously, going through the combine, going through all that process, um, trying to build next year's team without Tom. But then when Tom said he'd come back, it's like, now it's, now it's easy. Now it's easy. We're in the best shape we've ever been. Uh, it, it's a, no better time to pass the torch than now. I don't know what February brings, all right? But I know what today brings. And it makes me really happy. Tom Brady was sitting in the front row for the Bruce Arians Todd Bowles press conference. It was an interesting little nugget that came out about this. According to several reports, Tom Brady was informed Bruce Arians planned to step down like two or three days after he announced he was ending his retirement. Todd Bowles didn't find out Bruce Arians was going to step down until like yesterday or the day before. Now, I don't know if I oh, believe wow, that okay. or not. I don't know if I believe that. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, that Brady knew about it for what? Three weeks longer than the guy who's going to take over as coach. And Bruce, and, and, and you would not, nah, I don't buy that. Bowles has been with BA for so long. They had to have those conversations. I mean, because you, 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 you got to discuss it. That's, that's going to be one of the guys you discuss it with. Yeah. Right? You want to discuss it with it. Plus, you went through it before where the guy that you wanted to be the head coach and James Betcher didn't end up being the head coach. So you wanted to make 100% certain that it was going to work this way. Yeah, I, I don't buy it. I, I don't buy that Tom Brady has known about this for weeks and Todd Bowles has known about this for hours. I, I just I don't think that's how BA works. And I, I, I just have a hard time believing that. Uh, we, talk, you- we talk about win or lose, we booze. The quote from uh, Todd Bowles. The only thing he and Arians have in common is that they're both bald. Quote, he smokes, I don't. He drinks, I don't. So we never got in each other's way. Close quote. Which which actually sounds like how things work here on the Burns and Gambo show. That's right. You booze. (laughs) You don't.
I don't. I don't smoke. You don't. And neither do you. Yeah, no cigars but, or anything ever. But when I when I'm done with the show, win or lose, there's Gambo, a cocktail. I booze. Yeah. <laughs> win or lose, there's a cocktail every night waiting for me at home. I'll tell you that right now. Win or fail, at home there'll be a cocktail. <laughs> when we come back, Devin Booker trying to build an MVP case over the course of this season. Last night. Ah, last night was not the best piece of evidence for Devin Booker's MVP case. We'll talk about his struggles against Golden State next on Burns and Gambo.